0: Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed is She. I'm Jenna Gizar and I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and
1: grab a drink or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. <laughs> Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community and life. So, let's get started. Hey Beth. Hey Jenna.
0: How you doing?
1: So good. Good. I'm excited to be here with Lisa. Hi Lisa. Hey,
2: it's great to be with you guys today. Lisa Brennickmeyer,
1: would you uh, tell everybody a little bit about
2: yourself? Sure. So I do a lot of what you guys do. I care deeply about women, and I work with a women's ministry called Walking with Purpose. And I founded Walking with Purpose now just about 11 years ago and started out just as a small group, women's Bible study. There were eight of us in the church basement um, with our kids next door, and it just really morphed, because as you both know so well, women really want community and deeper connection. And so our numbers just doubled and doubled and doubled. And then we started crossing state lines and teaching other women how to lead these kind of small group communities in their own parishes. And I started writing Bible studies, I guess, a couple years into it. So the first couple years, we used materials that were out there. And then I started writing Bible studies, maybe about 10 years ago, we cover all sorts of different things with those um, studies, you can be doing that in a pair setting, or you can do them just on your own or in a small group. And then I also wrote a book walking with purpose. And that was published through dynamic Catholic. But really, the main thing that I do is I am a wife to Leo, the Dutch man and mom to seven. (laughs) Yeah, so all of that together keeps me pretty busy.
0: Lisa, I love all of that. Thank you. And I'm interested to know, what made you start writing? Like what,
2: oh, that's what a good
0: question. kind of pushed you to do that? Yeah. That's so brave.
2: Well, and it was really out of my wheelhouse. I never really thought of myself as a writer. You know, I wasn't an English major who always knew that she had a book in her, that's not at all my story. And I'm a psychology major. And so I've just always really been fascinated by, by people and how they're doing on the heart level. And what I was doing when I was leading the Bible study using other materials is I felt like I was constantly having to add in application questions, just things that would really bring it home. And while I really love Bible study just for the sake of learning our our faith better, understanding the character of God better, His Word, you know, all those things has tremendous value. But for me, what I'm really passionate about is bringing it down to the heart and saying, okay, how can I apply this to how I'm doing today? And I couldn't find materials out there that we're doing what I wanted to be doing in the small group setting and so I just started playing around with it for that reason and it's interesting because initially I was going to write alongside someone which was going to really help just my confidence at the beginning and she ended up having to pull out and I sat down with the Lord this one day and I said okay I have all these women that are waiting for something new I don't think I can do this I I don't think I've got it in me and so I'm giving you 2 hours and You've got to show me that you will do this through me because my own natural ability is, like, so grossly lacking. And if I get nothing in two hours, I'm not doing this. You know, I'm not going to, you know, tell people I'm going to do it and then deliver something that's just really wretched, right? (laughs) So I sat there, and it was during my sense nap time because I've really only ever written during nap time or in the early hours of the morning because, you know, I've had kids all around me until really recently. Anyway, I sat there for an hour and a half and literally nothing came. And I was just like, here we go, okay. And anyway, right before I was ready to quit, so in that last half hour, it started to flow. And I started to write and I got just enough down to see, okay, I think that if God does this through me, then I can commit to, you know, doing this this year. And every year has just been like that. So for those first, you know, seven years, I wrote a Bible study every year, basically during my kid's nap time. And I would start it, you know, when the school year started and my older ones were in school. And I just protected those hours like a crazy woman, Mm -hmm. you know, did not check email, did not do laundry, did not get on Mm -hmm. my phone and just forced myself to write whether I felt like it or not. And God was faithful. And every year by the time, you know, we needed to start again that next fall, I had a new course for for the women um, in Walking With Purpose. So it was a huge faith builder to me and always, always scary because I'd always have that underlying fear of, you know, what if it just doesn't come? But after a few years of seeing his faithfulness, I'm like, okay, I think, you know, you're going to do it, but it will always be you. It will not be me. And that's steadily been the case.
1: That's incredible. I'm personally very grateful that you said that it's always scary, that even after the Lord comes through, you're still putting yourself out there. You're still having to trust Him and to trust yourself
2: and your voice. Yeah, especially when it's something creative, right? Because I think we get a feeling that when we do something that we're really happy with, well, that was it. Like, that's kind of all the creative juice I had in me, and we kind of forget, at least I forget that we serve a God of limitless supply. Mm. And what I have found is I always like to write out of what the Lord is currently speaking to me in my life. And so um, it's kind of funny because I'll get to certain points where I'll be like, I don't think I've got anything else to say. I think, you know, this is pretty much what i know about the spiritual life and these these parts of the bible and then sure enough something will happen in life and it's like almost always some form of suffering where god takes me to a new place and i see my need for him in a new way and then a new study gets birthed out of that
0: wow i love what you said about him being limitless erica Mm -hmm. ty is our designer for blessed is she and so she designs our covers and it's beautiful what Mm -hmm. she's Mm -hmm. able to create with the help of the holy spirit And every time we do a cover, we say, how can we ever top this? How can anything (laughs) ever, like, how can the Lord ever give us something new and creative that would ever beat this one? And every year he does. Every year he comes through. I mean, your openness to the Holy Spirit, her openness to the Holy Spirit, that's the only way Mm. that it keeps happening.
2: So it's beautiful. And just crazy about her Mary bathing suit. I know. It's beautiful. Can I just can yeah. I just do a little call out on that and that I'm waiting for the wrapping paper of her pattern. I'm crazy but she's she's amazing. Too. She yes. really she's so gifted.
1: You know, Lisa, I want to go back to something that you said when you first sat down to write and you gave the Lord that timeline. Timelines haven't worked for me with the Lord in prayer <laughs> <laughs> up until now, but I'm very inspired by your story. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of risky. I don't know that I'm really saying, you know. But I think for me, it was really a part of the discernment process because I just thought, I think we see a lot of needs, right? We see a lot yeah. of needs in the church, and we want to do something about them if we're kind of yes people, right? But not everything has our name on it. You know, we can be a really passionate about things that go beyond what God is actually calling us to do. And so I really wanted to discern that more than more than wanting to hold Him to my timetable, because I think sometimes that's what it is. We're like, I want this, and I want this now. So, like, hop to it, Lord, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that really wasn't the Spirit. It was more if I'm off on this, please let me know. And this is, I think the best way to do it is I'll dive in a little bit here and and see where it goes.
1: Yeah. So that's what I want to ask you about is how did you even come to that place in your prayer life, in your relationship with the Lord, that you knew how to discern that and you trusted God to answer and to help you discern? What was your prayer life
2: like then? What is it like now? What's your daily hmm. practice of prayer? Oh, that's a fun question. My practice of prayer really has not altered a ton since I first really got serious about it, which was during college. And during my senior year of college, I decided I was going to commit to a daily time with the Lord. You know, about I think in college, I think I was probably giving it a half hour a day where I would have a structured period of time where I spend it in prayer, and then I would get into Scripture and do some kind of a Bible study with the rest of my time. And I'm a real list maker, and I Here's where I'm weak. I'm weak at listening. I know that. And I'm working on that. So that has been a change in recent years of trying to just sit quietly in God's presence. But what I find is that there are all sorts of things that I care deeply about that I want to be bringing to the Lord. And so I started, I got married right out of college. And that's when my whole list making really you know i can go back and find my prayer journals from all those years back and i'll see you know i was praying specific prayers every day for me for my husband for my daughter and then just for other needs that i saw in the world and so i think that early on i had that outward focus and an awareness just through having been raised and really taught about spiritual gifts and how none of us are passed over at baptism every single one of us is gifted in a certain way and that we're gifted in a way not for ourselves but it's Mm -hmm. to give back it's always outward focused and I I never really not had that attitude towards it and that impacted my prayer life a lot and so as I would pray for those needs I would always just be open to the fact that I might be part of the solution, or I might not, you know, it might be the part that I'm playing is just to pray. I'd been in prayer about outwardly focused things all that way back. But a big thing happened just in the discernment process for me, because I could see the needs. And what I could really see was women were going to mass. They were, and this just, you know, by way of background, I was living in Germany at the time. So after I graduated from college, I got married and we moved to Germany right away. And I would go to mass and just see women who were dutifully showing up and attending, but you could just see that it was kind of blank, you know, and as I got to know them, you know, they just talked about the fact that they wanted to grow in a personal relationship with Christ and really didn't know how. And I found an older woman who started leading a Bible study for all of us that was great. I mean, I could just see they were coming alive and it was so amazing. And I was so thrilled and she did that with us for six weeks. And then she's like, okay, well now I'm done. I'm like, well, everybody still needs it and everybody still wants it. She's like, I'm not the one to lead it. And oh. I was so angry with her because I'm like, you have nothing but time. I mean, this is like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not analyzing her. I'm sure like, oh, my word, like, could I walk in her shoes? But I'm like, you have nothing but time. You have women who are hungry and who are open. It is so wrong of you not to step out and do it. And she just kept saying, nope, it's not me. It's not me. Wow. wow. And so I just kept praying for God to raise someone up mm-hmm. to lead the women in our group. And I was younger, most of them by, you know, probably about 10 years. I went to a prayer meeting one night and a woman came up to me and said, I have a word for you. And I didn't know who she was. And I thought she was, I thought this was the weirdest thing ever. And she's yes. like, the thing you're praying for, it's you. You're the one supposed to step out and do it. And I was just like, what a freak. I mean, that's just- <laughs> I, did. I was like, what is she even talking about? But I had a couple other kind of weird things like that, where I just felt like, Maybe that's where God was leading me. And so I was really wrestling in my prayer with him, just telling him the millions of reasons why I should not be the one. And I asked him to lead me to something in scripture to, you know, just so I could hear his voice, because I really think that's the best place to go if we want to hear his voice. And I opened up to a verse in 2 Timothy that says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young but set an example for the believers in terms of your life, your love, your faith and your purity. So it was pretty like straightforward. And then I was like, Okay, that's pretty impressive that that was (laughs) what I was led to, but I need a little more convincing. (laughs) And just then the phone rang. And it was the oldest of I mean, I say the oldest and now she seems like so young to me, you know, because this is going back 25 years, but the oldest woman in the group gave me a call. And so I just said, I just want to float this idea by you. What if I led a Bible study? How would you feel about that? She's like, that'd be great. And I said, well, don't you feel like it's weird because I'm younger than you? And she's like, I don't care. So that was the end of it. And so I just jumped in and I've been leading women's Bible studies really ever since, just in in different ways and in different capacities.
0: That's amazing. So what do you think comes first? Do you think personal prayer life and reading the scripture comes before being in a small group and being in community with others? Or do you think community can be the catalyst into personal prayer
2: life? I think it can go either way. I think that we can quickly substitute community for a personal prayer life, yeah. and that is at our own peril. And I do think that, you know, there are a lot of small groups that will get together and, you know, you'll hear the phrase, they're doing life together, they're hanging together. And and of course, there's enormous benefit towards just supporting one an- another, knowing one another and all those things. But I think that we live in a time when we really, really need truth. We need to be grounded, and we are bombarded with lies, with completely different ways of looking at life than the way that God looks at life. I mean, we are so saturated in all that, day in and day out. And if we don't have anything in our life where God is actually able to speak directly into us His truth, then we're kind of sitting ducks for really being— Influenced instead of being influencers and and really right riding the wave of our emotions all the time rather than being grounded in something that's beyond us. So I'm just always an advocate of if there's community have that be focused on something where yeah, you're talking about all the other stuff as well, but it's coming out of, of a grounding in truth. So they go hand in hand. And one is not a substitute for the other. I mean, there is no substitute for a personal prayer life. And another thing, too, when I think about, you know, a small group community that's tied around scripture study, I think we do a lot of spiritual reading that's really good. You know, we can learn a lot from what other people have learned when they've delved into scripture. But that is nowhere near the same as when we actually open it up ourselves. You know, we know from Hebrews that the Bible is living. It's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It will go straight into our hearts and do its work. But I think it does its work most effectively when it's a direct – it's me with my nose in Scripture, not me hearing what you had to say about Scripture. And I think we get – I don't know. I think we get nervous. We don't know where to begin. And we just think, "My, I'm, you know, I'm going to open that. It's going to have nothing to say to me. And that's really why I've written Bible studies, because I think we need a guide. You know, I think especially at the beginning to you know how do I delve into all of this and have it be relevant to my life. And I think having, you know, good guided questions that are really focused on a woman's heart and application is a huge help in that way.
1: Yeah. I think what I hear some women say is that they're intimidated by scripture because it just feels flat. Yeah, So I'm interested in in your love of scripture. And I want to pass that on. And I know your whole life's mission really is to pass on a yeah. deep love of scripture. And it can be such an intimate encounter with God. So I wonder for a woman whose experience of scripture is just kind of a stale, like I've heard this, but it's not penetrating. What took you yeah. to that next level? What made praying with scripture become an encounter rather than an obligation in your prayer life? Really, for
2: me, so I'm a convert, I grew up an evangelical Protestant, and so. When I converted, this is what I was looking for: is you know someone to guide me in that in that regard, so that it wouldn't be flat and so it would penetrate my heart. And I couldn't find anything that did that, so I did a lot of Beth Moore studies yeah. early on because she is really gifted at really taking it to the heart level. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would be upset about something, I'd get up in the middle of the night and just have no rest, and I'd open up a Bible study that I was working through, and there would be something that specifically applied to where I was at. Now, I don't know that that would have happened if I just opened up my Bible randomly. I mean, not that God can't do that, but for me, what was helpful is a woman was guiding me who has also gone through heartache. Her guidance for me was huge, and that's really the style in which I then started to write. And I think that It's good if we do a lot of things kind of simultaneously, okay, because so none of these things are as powerful in isolation. So something I'm really passionate about is women really coming to know what is going on in their hearts. I think that we live in a time where we do a lot of numbing out, we do a lot of brushing our hearts to the side because we gotta just get on with life. And even when we come from a strong spiritual perspective, a lot of okay, what does God ask of me? What does it mean to be a holy woman? All right, I'll do it and you know, I'll slog it through and how I'm feeling. Well that's so irrelevant. I'm I'm being holy, I'm pursuing God, you know. And I really believe God cares deeply about our hearts, that we flourish, that we live out of our true identity as beloved, delighted, in daughters of God. But unless we do the work of really knowing where our wounds are in our hearts, then we don't always make that connection to the comfort that Scripture will give us in that very area, because we're not even honing in on what that would be. So something, I don't know, I don't know if this is going to work for me to try and explain this over a podcast. but. I'm really passionate about women recognizing the lies that have really wreaked havoc in their life, that, you know, the Mm -hmm. messages that play in their minds. I'm all alone. Nobody understands me. Things will never change. You know, whatever, whatever it would be, there's a wide variety of what they are. I wrote something where I just kind of grouped it into common areas where we really struggle, where we struggle with worry over our kids, or we struggle in our marriage, or we struggle with a fear for the future or a sense of hopelessness. And then I pulled out scriptures that specifically were God's promises and God's response to those things. And so I call them the I declares. I wrote them at a time that I had really had a huge come to Jesus moment where I realized that I had been not only kicking my heart to the side, but hiding my heart from my husband in a really Mm. significant way. Early on in our marriage, I had been really struggling and had shared my heart with him and his response had not been perfect. Whatever. He was 25 years old doing Mm. the best he could do. But Mm. like I wanted him to sweep in and be the hero and fix everything. And his response, um, if you want to talk flat, (laughs) his response (laughs) was flat for me, you know, and I can laugh now, but it was anything but funny then because in that moment when I was so deeply hurt, I made a vow that because I was listening to the lie, I'm all alone. No one understands me, least of all him. This is all up to me. Mm-hmm. I made a vow that I would not need him. There are a lot of women out there who've made vows like this. Mm-hmm. With husbands. And what happens in that moment is we close off our hearts. And we're like, I'll control what you see, what you don't see what I offer, what I don't offer. And, and we end up offering a very abbreviated heart of who we really are to our, our spouse. I started doing some some work with a beautiful counselor who really outed me on that. And she's mm-hmm. like, Do you know that you do that? I'm like, Oh, of course I do. Mm-hmm. She's like, Well, do people around you know when you're doing that when you're self protecting and only giving kind of this abbreviated version? I'm like, Well, of course not, because I'm actually good at it. Like, I'm, I've got a lot of practice. And she's like, Well, that's pretty major, because you can't self protect and love at the same time. And I was train wrecked by that because I have really endeavored to be a good wife my my whole marriage. But I realized a lot of that was like obedience to the right things to do. But of course, what my husband wanted more than anything was my heart, was my Mm. authentic self, you know. And so when I started realizing, oh my gosh, my whole way of communicating is so off the charts guarded. So this one day, he was coming home from a business trip, the very day that she had said this to me. And I'm like, he's going to come home. He's going to ask me what's wrong. What I want to do is say, oh, I'm just kind of funky because the kids were crabby all day and I didn't yeah. sleep well, whatever. And I realized, no, I'm actually going to have to tell him the truth. And I was so, so off the charts, terrified, mm-hmm. terrified of what that would look like. I was so afraid of being out of control of what I was going to say. And I was just like panicky all day long. And I realize I am believing lies right now that I'm alone, that I won't be understood, that nothing's ever going to change and I decided to start declaring truth okay? Truth as I know it from scripture and this comes after years of memorizing scripture at times when it just seemed flat, pointless whatever but that's been another one of my my disciplines and I was in my car and I just started declaring truth over and over and over and over again and people who drove by me no doubt thought what a complete nut case. <laughs> so all these truths come straight out of scripture okay? So I declare God's mm-hmm. arm is not too short to save us. Mm-hmm. He can reach into my heart and into my husband's heart and draw the two of us together. That's Isaiah fifty nine one. Mm-hmm. I declare that if God is for us, who can be against us? Mm-hmm. Romans eight thirty one. I declare that I can hold firmly to hope because you God are the one who promised and you are faithful. Mm-hmm. Hebrews ten twenty three. I declare that when we lack love, you can give us divine love for each other. Romans five five. I declare yeah. that what God has joined together, no one should separate. Mark ten nine. I declare that you are our lamp so you can turn our darkness into light. Second Samuel 22:29. So that's powerful scripture. That's mm-hmm. not flat. That's mm-hmm. scripture speaking into my my need. But why was I able to do that? Because when it felt flat, I studied it anyway. Yeah. I love that okay. you you use the word discipline. You yeah. were
1: disciplined to read
2: scripture and to memorize it. Yeah. There's nothing sexy about it. I mean, it's just not. It's just like there's nothing fun about getting up at 530 in the morning because your kids get up at six. But the payout comes later when you're in those times of crisis. And then God's word comes back to you with power and comfort and hope and like literally blows the enemy out of the water. Because this is something the enemy he does not do well with us. When you, you know, think about Jesus, when he was, you know, being tempted in the desert, he countered the devil. What did he do? He declared God's truth. He declared scripture back to him. And and we can do the same. So I really, really get it when women say, but I'm sorry, it's flat. And that mm. is why I've written Bible studies. And what I just shared with you, those I declares, that's a part of the Bible study I just wrote called Fearless and Free. And it's on finding inner healing and wholeness in Christ. And I list a bunch of those I declares for all the things that I could think of that women struggle with. Because I get it that we need a guide. Like we, in that moment of crisis, to just open up to Leviticus and say, speak Lord Jesus. You know. <laughs> And, and so that particular Bible study is one that goes straight to the issue of inner hurts, in our hearts, and how can we go to Scripture and God and, and experience healing. Is it out right now? Yeah, it's on our website, you know, walkingwithpurpose.com. I have to say that it was the hardest study to write. It sounds melodramatic, but I felt I wrote it with blood. I know that sounds like so like a oh, but it was tough because No, I, believe I it. loved it. And God really took me through a long season of suffering, you know, suffering alongside a child who was going through a period of really intense emotional darkness, just, you know, a hard season in my marriage. But this study came out of it. And really what happened to me is I have studied the Bible, honestly, almost my whole life. I at this point had written like eight Bible studies. But when I hit this point of crisis with my child and in my marriage, all the truth I knew wasn't quite enough. And it was really because I needed to go to a deeper level with a focus on inner healing and and did a lot of study of Dr. Bob Shute's work. I don't know if you're familiar with healing the whole person in his work. He's done tremendous work in this area. And I just, I just dug in for myself. And then the study came out of my own journey of of healing.
1: I just recently started seeing a new counselor. I had Mm. one before I moved and that was a beautiful process. But I'd been kind of looking for someone for the past year I had my first meeting with her two weeks ago awesome. and I was like wow one year without counseling yeah. and all of this yes um, so got it but I it feels overwhelming at the beginning when you start to do that deeper work especially if you've got a prayer life and decent relationships around you there's still so much healing that needs to be had mm-hmm. and I know that that can feel kind of overwhelming like if you've got family obligations, if, if you've got relationships that are in crisis, how do you also attend to these deeper wounds? And I think that keeps some women from really going there with the Lord, giving the yeah. Lord access, because it's like, if I really let God into this thing, it's going to wreck me and I, I just yes. won't be able to
2: function. 100%. You are so, so right. I just have a couple thoughts on that. One is that I think sometimes when we really, things start to come to the surface and people close to us realize not all is well, right? You'll hear someone say, you really need counseling or you should go to counseling. And my son said something that he heard this summer that I think is so good. And he said, you know, someone said to me, you deserve to go to counseling. And he said, and that changed everything for me. Wow. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that is the deal. Because we as women, you know, and I would say as men, too, because I heard this from my son, but we put ourselves last in that regard and think it's so holy and so selfless. But it isn't if it's impeding how well we love. Mm. And so we go to counseling. Yes. And we open Pandora's box Mm. because we deserve to live fully alive with our hearts engaged and our hearts matter. All that junk that you've shoved down and that you just think, Oh, I don't want to look at it. And I don't want to get it out. It gets out and it gets better. And you deserve to have that time spent on yourself and on your heart. And yeah, I I really get it. Because that was really what held me back. And when I sat down to begin with, and this all started, I actually sat down with my husband. And it sounds kind of weird, but I asked him permission to come unraveled. Mm-hmm. And I, it was that night when you So I'd done the I declares in the car that day, he came home that night, and I shared with him what was going on. And I said, I am so afraid to open this up. I'm afraid that it is literally I'm going to start and this thing will unravel and I don't even know what will be left. And he's like, it's okay, I'll make dinner. I mean, is that the sweetest thing you've ever heard? <laughs> I'm like, I think I might be able to still make dinner, but I just think emotionally I might be a train wreck. But I'm like, I'm really asking you, do I have your permission to come undone? Knowing that everybody in our family probably prefers the buttoned up me that gets stuff done. And he looked at me and he said... Of course you have permission, and what we want is the real you, and we don't care if it's buttoned up. That's not what we love about you. We love your heart. And you know what we have to remember is the Lord is gentle. He is gentle. He it's the peeling of an onion, and he does not like just a good counselor is not going to just like rip everything out right at once. It's going to be a gradual process of bit by bit, and the healing process is never done, I don't believe, this side of heaven and that's okay. When I wrote Fearless and Free, I thought I'd really dealt with it all, and then I was done, and it was like such a great feeling. This is so awesome to be done with inner healing. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to now get on with some other stuff, and when I went to teach this for the first time locally, I cried through the whole thing. Like I was, yeah. I was giving talks, and as I was speaking, and I was crying because I was having things happen in my life that were triggering all my old junk. And I said to the Lord, why would you let these things happen? Because it makes people think, why would we do this Bible study? It obviously didn't work. You're still crying. And I felt the Lord, you know, communicate a couple things to me. One is that women need to see brokenness Hmm. modeled to have permission to come a little bit undone. And so that's why it was okay that I was a little bit undone. But that my healing had been real, but this was just going deeper because the Lord loves me that much that He wanted to take me to a deeper place. And so it's ongoing. But each time we're growing in maturity, we're not just like revisiting the same old stuff. Like Heather Cam, I love when she'll talk about how, you know, we're not told to pick up our cross and then walk in circles, right? We're to like mm-hmm. go forward. And healing is that. You are moving forward. It's not walking in circles. It can seem like it is, but it's not. It's actually just going deeper in healing. And I know it's scary. I know it's scary. And I know it seems like so much easier to keep it all shoved in your heart. But actually, it takes a tremendous amount of energy and effort to put forward a fake fine all the live long day. Totally. That takes energy too. And so don't wait till it just bursts out because then that's really messy and ugly.
0: Yeah.
2: Better to like do it in a controlled way with a counselor bit by bit who can really artfully help you peel the onion nice and slow.
1: Well, I'm so glad we had this conversation. It was personally very freeing for me. So thank you, Lisa. Thank you for your heart. For I love you both.
2: and for us. Loved, loved talking with you both. And just love you, your ministry and all that you're doing. And it just, it's such a gift to my heart. I am like a slave to my Blessed Is She Planner and just Mm -hmm. all the beautiful devotionals and the way that you've gathered women together who all have such different voices, but speak to our hearts so well. So thank you for all you're doing.
1: Thank you, Lisa. Thanks.
2: We love to close in prayer around
1: here. So Lisa, I would love if you would pray for us.
2: Absolutely. I'd love to. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm -hmm. Lord, you love each one of our hearts so much. You love the real us, the raw us. And I just thank you that we do not need to present some buttoned up version of ourselves to you, that you see it all and that you want to go to those deep places and bring healing. And, and yes, you've seen all of our mistakes and all of the way we've fallen short of, of loving in the way that we could have loved. But I love what St. Julian of Norwich said that when God sees sin, he sees pain in us. And so I just thank you that that's your stance towards us, that you want to relieve the pain, you want to bring healing, you want to ever draw closer to the real us. So I pray that we would just have a little bit more courage than fear and move forward towards you, towards healing, towards your voice that comes so clearly through your word. And I pray that we would be set free to live lives, brave, wild, courageous lives that can step out into our aching and hurting world and really bring change to others. Thank you for each one of these women listening. I pray that you would take each one of them to a new place, to a deeper place with you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. We'll chat with you soon. Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app, We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.